Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Download the notes at kcm.org notes. If you and I were to sit eye to eye right now, what would I see in your face? Do I see a determination to press towards the things of God and all that He's called you to do? Or can I see, looking in your eyes, you clinging to the past? What direction are you focusing your faith on? Welcome to the Believer's Voice of Victory. Join Kenneth and Gloria Copeland's grandson, Jeremy Pearsons, today and discover how you can turn faith forward. Now let's join Jeremy. You know, we left off on yesterday's broadcast talking about living with God's vision for your life. And we looked at Proverbs 29, 18 that says, where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. You might know that from other versions, other translations that say, where there's no vision, the people perish. Happy is he who keeps the law. People, this translation says, where there's no revelation, no prophetic vision. I would say it like this, no, no view of the future. It said people cast off restraint. There are people who are choosing to live without vision. You might think to yourself, why would anybody do that? It's like we said yesterday, vision, particularly a vision from God, always creates a need because it's always greater than what you're able to meet on your own. And when people get a glimpse of that, they're afraid of the need it creates, afraid that they're not going to have what it takes to do what they're seeing He's called them to do. I'm going to tell you something. Every believer, and I mean everyone, at some point is going to come eye to eye and face to face with the plan of God, His vision for their life. He's going to show you that. Many of you watching this right now, He has at some point or another has shown you what your life's about. And if you haven't seen it yet, listen to me, you will. He's faithful and He'll, he'll give you a glimpse of what it's supposed to be. But you're going to have to decide whether or not you're going to be one of those people who chooses to go for it or to live without the vision and why would somebody live without it? Because they're afraid of the need that it creates. Now, sometimes I think about my little kids, and, and I think we forget, as grown-ups, we forget what it's like to live life down there. You know what I mean? I mean, they're all of about four feet tall right now anyway, and so they live life down there. My little girl, Jessie, she's even shorter. And I think we forget sometimes what it's like to be the shortest thing in the room where everything in there is just bigger than you are, taller than you are, and you, you live your life with a view of kneecaps just everywhere, all the time. That's what you see. Stuff's just always in your way. And we forget what that's like sometimes. We've grown out of that, and we have a little bit different perspective now. But I think about them, and I think about how their perspective on life changes the moment I pick them up. My little daughter, Jessie, when I pick her up, her whole vision changes. We like to take our kids to, to Disney and these theme parks and stuff like that. And those of you who have been to Disney World, then you know probably that no trip there is complete. You can't leave before you see the Main Street Parade. It's usually about 9 o'clock that night, and you've already been there 37 hours, but you are going to see this parade. 
And um, some folks are hardcore, man. They know to get to the parade. They know you get to that nine o'clock parade somewhere around 7.30. If you want to get a good seat, you've got to show up early. We're not hardcore like that. So we show up maybe 10 minutes before it starts. And of course, we're in the very back there, six rows deep, and we can't hardly see over the crowd. So if I want my kids to be able to see anything, what's going to have to happen? I'm going to have to pick little Jesse, little Justice up in my arms so that they can see over. Because down there, stuff's in the way, right? We already established that. They're looking at nothing but the back of people's legs and just stuff that's constantly in the way. But if I want them to be able to see, I'm going to have to pick them up. And I got to bring them up to my eye level for them to watch this parade. Now, what's funny about them watching the parade, now they can see what I see, right? I mean, the parade starts, all the lights go out, and then all the music starts. Man, it's pumping, and then a million flashing lights just start coming down Main Street. And there's people out there dancing and twirling this and smoke and sound. And, you know, there's people in costumes, and it's just bigger than life. And you look over at the kids, and their eyes are just this big. My little girl, Jessie, especially, I remember the last time she saw this, it was just eyes, just as big as saucers trying to comprehend what she's seeing. This is like a sensory overload to her. She's never seen this much stuff all at once and experienced the sights and the sounds of it all. And the interesting thing about her is even in that moment, you know, yeah, I've picked her up and now she's at my eye level. Now she's seeing what I see. But what's interesting about her and other little ones, you watch them sometimes and you'll see that they have the same response depending on how little they are. Jessie just turns and buries her head right here in my shoulder. She's almost kind of afraid of what's going on. I mean, she's looking at all this coming straight towards her. And now I'm not afraid. Even though we're looking at the same thing, I'm not afraid. I, I, I'm not afraid of what's coming straight towards me because I see it differently than she does. For all she knows, that's an actual six-foot mouse with a top hat and cane tap dancing directly at her. She doesn't know, and it kind of scares her a little bit. Now, I'm not afraid because I look at it and I see, okay, that's a starving college kid in a mouse suit, so I'm not afraid of that, right? She sees what I see, but she doesn't see how I see it. And because of that, it tries to make her afraid of it when really there's nothing there to be afraid of whatsoever. And I think sometimes that's exactly what happens when God gives us, his kids, the opportunity to see what he's called us to. See, we live life way down here. We live life among just the beggarly elements of this world. And man, you know it as well as I do. There's just stuff in the way. There is stuff in the way all the time. And we're trying to look around it. and We're trying to see above it. And there's just stuff in our way. Distraction, distraction, distraction. But there's going to come a moment when your heavenly daddy, your heavenly father is going to pick you up. And even if it's just for a few moments, you are going to be elevated above all the distraction, above all the clutter, above all the drama, and He's going to give you the ability to see what He sees. He's going to show you your life the way He sees it. 
And you're going to look down that road like looking down Main Street. And you are going to see what you are called to. That's vision. That's what it is to have vision. The ability to see the unseen. Now you're going to have a choice to make right then and there. Because I guarantee you this. Like Jesse, like my kids, you're going to see what your father sees. But in that first moment, you're not going to see how he sees it. There's going to be an opportunity for great fear. There's going to be an opportunity to let that scare you. And that's why most people choose to live without vision because it scares them. It's scary to think to be out there doing big things like that, dreaming big dreams. How are we going to pay for it? And you know, honestly, that's what it comes down to for most people. How are we going to pay for it? How could I ever leave home, this place that's comfortable? And I think as the Lord leads us, we'll get into that this week. But just go back to our example, the the master of faith, Father Abraham. What's the first thing God told him to do? He said, Abram, you need to leave home. Get out of your father's house. Now, folks, let's be honest. He was 70 years old. It was time. Okay, it was time for Abram to leave the nest. 70 years old. I think it's time to, you know, take a little step out there. But that's what God told him to do. And for many of us, he's told us the same thing. Step outside the house. Leave what's always been comfortable to you. Get out here with me. And there are people that see that and they turn away from it and choose to ignore it, choose to pretend like they don't see it. And they just want to live with this little existence they've got right here. Like we said yesterday, just me and my two kids and my wife. And, and as long as we have food on the table and clothes on our back, we're okay. There's no vision in that. There's no effect on other people. And it's small thinking. And it's a total lack of faith. And God's saying, come on, get out here with me in this. Let me show you what I see. Now, what is it that's going to enable Jesse to one day see not only what I see, but how I see? Where's the change going to be? Well, it's very simple. All she has to do is keep living. All she's got to do is just keep living, keep walking. And as she gets older, she's going to see more and experience more and learn more until there's going to be a day where she can look at the Main Street Parade just like Daddy and see what I see. And she won't be afraid of it anymore. I'm telling you the same thing's true with God. All you have to do is keep walking by faith, keep walking by faith, keep walking by faith. And there will come a day that you will see not only what He sees, but how he sees it. And that thing that used to scare you, you'll look at it and you will laugh and you'll think, man, I can't believe I was ever afraid of that. And there will come a day. Some of you are called into ministry and you're thinking, man, I'm having a hard time paying the bills at the end of the month, but there's going to come a day when, when you are in need of millions and millions of dollars at a time. And you're going to laugh at these things that used to scare you. That has already happened for me and for Sarah. We're six years, seven years almost into our own ministry. And just in that short amount of time, there are things that used to seem so big to us. And we look back on it now and think, man, can you believe that was big? Can you believe we even balked at that? Can you believe we even shuddered at that compared now to what we're believing God for? Now what we're trusting him for? Uh, Now we see it the way he sees it. Used to, we saw what he saw, 
but we didn't see how he saw it. Now we're seeing some of these things the way he sees it. And my life's goal should be yours as well. Whatever's big to him needs to be big to me. Whatever's small to him, Lord, make it small to me. I want to see what you see, and I want to see how you see it. And all of this is in preparation for being somebody who's fit for the master's use, ready and prepared for every good work. As long as these things out there just seem too overwhelming to you, too big to you, and how could that ever be, you're not ready. You're not ready. But if you'll trust God, if you'll take Him at His word and just swallow hard and say, Lord, if you're calling me out into the deep, I'll go with you. Go to the book of Luke chapter 9. And this is what I want to use as a foundation for the rest of our study this week. I've been trying hard for days to get right here, talking about being somebody that's fit for the master's use. We want our, we want our faith to be in shape, fit for the fight of faith. And we also want to be fit for the master's use. And it's like we've established already, you know, he loves you and he's called you. But just because you're loved and just because you're called doesn't necessarily mean he can use you. Doesn't necessarily mean he can use me. It all has to do with what kind of shape we're in. Many are called, but few are chosen. I might say it to you like this. Many are called, but few are fit for the master's use. You think to yourself, wow, that that seems kind of harsh that Jesus would say to somebody, I can't use you. I, I know it sounds hard, but he would say it because he did say it. Let me show this to you out of the scriptures. We'll begin here looking at this. And like I said, it'll carry us on through the rest of the week. Luke chapter nine, verse 57 says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Famous last words right there. I'll go with you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. At first glance, it looks like Jesus is almost trying to talk this guy out of what he had just said. I guarantee you if Jesus had a marketing department or if he had a head over discipleship recruitment, he would not be in favor of Jesus giving the foxes and birds speech to this guy. Like, Jesus, don't talk him out of it. We need people. We want people. But Jesus is just being honest with him here. He's saying, look, you're making a big, big claim, big promise. I'll follow you wherever you go. Do you know where I'm going? Do you know where I'm headed? There are people who've made that promise to pastors. Hey, pastor, we're with you. We're going to stick with you no matter what. We're going to stick with you and we'll just stay. I don't care who leaves. Mark my words. It won't be any time at all. And people who are quick to talk about their commitment to stay are the first ones to go. It's because there's a big, t- a big difference between those who talk and those who do. Jesus is looking for somebody who's not just going to talk the talk, but somebody whose heart is strong enough and ready to get a glimpse of the vision of God and say, if that's where you're taking me, that's where I'll go. And the refusal to quit. He said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then Jesus said to another, follow me. Those two words right there, follow me. Those are two of the greatest words that have ever fallen on human ears. Jesus looking at you saying, follow me. An invitation to go with him where he's going. Man, that's awesome. 
He said to one, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Luke chapter 9, verse 60, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You put your hand to the plow and look back, look back, look back. Jesus said, you're not fit. In other words, I love you. Do you think Jesus loved these guys standing here this day? Well, you know he did. There is human blood coursing through their veins. You know Jesus loves them. He's there because he loves them. Well, let me ask you this then. Are these guys called? Uh, obviously, not only are they called, but they got an eye-to-eye, face-to-face invitation from Jesus himself. Hey, I'm calling you. Follow me. Are they loved? Of course. Are they called? Obviously. But Jesus said to them, you're not fit for the kingdom. Remember that word fit means useful, useful for the master, fit for the master's use. He's saying, I love you. I've called you, but I can't use you. Not as long as this is your mentality, looking back. We're talking about people who refuse to live with faces looking forward to the future, always looking back. As a matter of fact, this whole thing started up here in verse 51. It said, when it, t- when it came to pass, the time had come for him to be received up, talking about his ascension. Now, there's a lot of living still to do between where we are right now and the ascension. There's a lot of ministering still. There's, there's, there's the crucifixion still. There's death. There's the burial. There's the grave. There's a lot still to happen between now and the ascension. And yet... It says, when he steadfastly set his face, talking about Jesus, to go to Jerusalem. So Jesus is setting his face. In other words, he's looking in this direction. He set his face to Jerusalem. He's looking forward. The ascension is out there in front of him. It's not behind him. And even though he's well aware of what has to yet be accomplished between where he is and the ascension, that's what he's got his eyes on. That he knows the cross is still in front of him. He knows the scourging is still in front of him. He knows that death, hell, and the grave itself, itself is still in front of him. He knows that separation from the Father is still yet to be done. But what's he got his eyes on? The ascension. The ascension. He's pressing towards that. And it's not behind. It's not behind. He's looking forward. His face is set. Now, what's interesting to me about this is those words right there, his face is set to Jerusalem. Says it again in a moment. He sent messengers before his face to prepare the way. Um, He came to Samaria and they could see that his face was set towards Jerusalem. All of that is commentary. In other words, this is not Jesus standing up and these words aren't written in red. Behold, I set my face. No, What am I saying to you here? Somebody observed this about him. And they 
relayed it later to Luke, who's doing these interviews and writing this account of the gospel. And they said, man, I remember that day. There was just something in his face. There was a determination in him like I'd never seen before. And we were going to Jerusalem. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter that we were still going through Samaria. It didn't matter all the stuff that he knew was still in front of him. It's like it was just in his face. And we were going and he wasn't going to be talked out of it. This is, this is something somebody's observing about Jesus. Which begs this question. What are people observing about you? Because they can see it in your face. They can see in your face, is your face set towards the future? Or are you, is your face set looking back? Because as long as you're still looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom. He loves you. Don't misunderstand me. He loves you. And on top of that, he's called you. He has extended to you the same two-word invitation he did to these guys this day. Hey, you follow me. But as long as your face is set backwards, he's like, I, I can't use you. I need you looking forward. I need you to turn face and faith forward. Turn faith forward. Faith is always moving forward. That's why we walk by it. It's not the moonwalk of faith. It's the walk of faith. One step in front of another, in front of another, and then another and another. This is how we walk. And learn this lesson from Jesus. His face, it was in his face. People around him could see it. There was a determination. This is where we're going. I'm not turning to the right hand or to the left. Let me tell you, if people around you can see it in your face. If you and I were to sit eye to eye right now, what would I see in your face? Do I see a determination to press towards the things of God and all that he's called you to do? Or can I see, looking in your eyes, you clinging to the past? And bear in mind, the past isn't just limited to 10, 20 years ago. Hey, earlier this morning, that's the past. That little, that little dust up you got in, you and your spouse, that little argument that you had on the way out to work. Listen, that's the past. Stop carrying it with you. It's in your face. Let it go. Turn faith forward. Turn face forward and press towards the mark of the high call of God that's in Christ Jesus. This is the vision that God has for your life. Make the choice right now. You're going to live with it or are you going to live without it? If you'll turn face forward, embrace the vision for the future. Don't be afraid of the need it creates. You've, the same God that gave you the vision will meet the need. Turn faith forward. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord.